And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, very rarely, on a Wednesday night, it's my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? I uh, want to apologize up front for the audio quality. I am having to record on my AirPods. Uh, the guy who we bought our house from, he didn't have a tape measure, Andrew. Uh, yeah, apparently, and he made the worst set of stairs in the world. They're the most dangerous <laughs> set of stairs I've ever seen, and we're finally getting them replaced, which means I left all of my pot equipment downstairs, and I can't get to it. <laughs> so that's pot why I'm equipment to record is this. trapped. It's trapped it's in a trapped. cave. This is all. It is. All, it it goes, is. All goes back to your cave diving. Your pot equipment this is, is gone. This is my cave tragedy. Yes, this is. You know. And we're we're gonna talk about the end of an era. This is uh, do we, do do you have any interest in talking about anything else around the NBA before we get started? Uh, obviously the the Robert Sarver stuff came out today, mm-hmm. or was that today or yesterday? That was today, right? I don't it even know to- anymore. Um, I don't know either. I, I think it was today. I don't know. I just wanted to give a shout out to Sean Hyken uh, of the Rose Garden Report. He's yeah. been on the uh, Slam and Jam before. Oh yeah. I, I read a lot of the articles and I just thought his article was very good and it's, he has like a Patreon, but it's unlocked. I retweeted it. You can go read it. Mm-hmm. Just, just bringing up like how hard it is to get rid of an owner. Um, because that was the, you know, consensus on Twitter today is like, why didn't they just you know strip him of his team? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really hard thing to do. And everyone assumes that that's what happened with Donald Sterling, but it's actually not what happened with Donald Sterling. It was very complicated how they were able to get that team away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically involved his wife, Shelly, getting him legally declared mentally incapacitated so that yeah. she could get full control of the assets. Then she could sell the team without his permission. She got $2 billion for it. She got, she came away with the official titles of o- owner emeritus and Clippers number one fan. Yep. She got lifetime courtside seats, parking passes, and will get three championship rings. The Clippers ever win the title. This is from Sean's article. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was, he's just making the point that like as outraged as people rightly are, I mean, no one wants Robert Sarver 
part of the NBA community yeah. right now. It's a really hard thing to get rid of him. And I think that, first of all, Adam Silver did not do a great job today. But the way that he's going, the way that Sarver is going to leave the NBA is what has happened since that press conference. Like the fact that LeBron James is coming out, the representative from the uh, Players Association coming out, Chris Paul already said something about it. Yep. Like as soon as sponsors start pulling money, like it, obviously it all comes back to money. Like I do think that Robert Sarver ultimately will not be in control of the Suns. He only has a 35% stake. That kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. He's not even like a major. I mean, he may be the majority owner, but he doesn't have like this overwhelming control of the Suns. And so I do think that's the way the league will get rid of him is that you're just going to have up, up, uprising of players, agents, people that just don't want to be associated with Robert mm-hmm. Sarver anymore. And hopefully he just gets the hint and cashes out. I mean, this is the, the thing with the, stuff like this these people are super powerful like nothing ultimately bad is going to happen to him yeah you're just gonna he can, he can do the a, worst he's gonna get a billion dollars yeah, and go home brother yeah he can do like the worst things you could think of for a boss to do to his employees and he just you know gets paid out at the end of the day mm-hmm. but i do think he will eventually not be in control of the suns um and i feel bad for suns fans because it really felt like this was moving towards like finally we can break free of mm-hmm. this like one anchor on our team that's been holding us back for all these years. If we could just get clear of Robert Sarver, then we can move forward feeling great about our franchise and not yet. Yeah. There's also the reality that he might be the exact guy that would just be like, you know what? I'm going to own this team forever now. Like I'm going to dig my heels in and like, yeah, he could. And and it would be really hard to like win a court case against him. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, if it was super easy, they would have done it with Donald Sterling. Oh yeah. And they, and it became this huge complicated thing. So uh, clearly yeah. it's not easy. Like Adam Silver has to get the buy-in of all these other owners mm-hmm. and they don't want to set a precedent where you, because obviously Robert Sarver is the only owner in the NBA who does stuff like this. Mm-hmm. There's going to be other people. And if that stuff ever comes out, then they're setting a precedent where they're going to lose their team. So that's, I mean, it, it's just, it's that the Donald Sterling thing was such a gift to Adam Silver. Oh, because I had the smoking gun. You had the tape. You had the, you know, him do you, being I mean, do you remember the way I mean, people just... talked about Silver? Because that was only, I, I was looking it up, or no, it was in Sean's article. That, that was only three months after he'd taken over for Donald Sterling. Mm-hmm. And he gets like this just golden opportunity and he's able to come out as the hero when really like that was the only choice oh, yeah. they could make at that time. And it kind of set him up to be kind of lionized mm-hmm. as a commissioner. And as we've learned over the years, like, you know, Adam Silver is like a lot of other commissioners, like they're, they're, they're working for the owners mm-hmm. as you'll learn over and over again. And unless the owners want Robert Sarver out, he's probably not going to be leaving anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. I don't think he will be. Uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, with that said, would you do the, the Zach Lowe trade of Cam Johnson, four unprotected picks and three pick swaps from the Suns for Shea? So I, somebody quote retweeted uh, a tweet I had about how that was going to be the only thing national podcasts were talking about. I did not expect it to come from Zach Lowe. He's the first well, one. I've, first one to offer up a, a fake trade. I haven't even I didn't even listen to it because I don't want to listen to those type of things right now. It was and, uh, I really quick. It wasn't even like a real discussion point. Oh, okay. I, yeah, it wasn't. It was kind of a throwaway part of the pod. Yeah. Honestly. 
Well, it's a throwaway trade. I mean, why why would OKC ever do that? It, 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 I mean, I, I just wish these people who make these trades would. Uh, first of all, I'm fine with having the conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm fine with. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I understand yeah, why. I understand why people want to have the conversation. Yeah. I'm open to it. Yeah. But they just ignore like very obvious things. Like you are trading with a team in OKC who already has an excess of future picks, and a lot of those are unprotected or lightly protected. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're building a package around future picks like what what's the like what's the selling point for okc those picks are going to be less valuable than they might be for a team like utah who you know might have been pick neutral before this summer Mm -hmm. and then the idea that once you trade shea the it it, or it in this in this stupid scenario in the stupid hypothetical (laughs) if you traded shea you would now have a core where like all of your core players are 22 or under Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. and so okc wants back a 25 year old who's worse than shea like well he's he's none of it makes sense well he's like the one of the least important parts of the trade no i know but but that's my point is that like if you if you actually want to do have this conversation and come up with a trade what would actually make okc interested it would have to be a player who is 22 and under and who is has can project to be as good as shea that's the only way they would ever do a shea trade Mm -hmm. and so these trades i see like oh you could do uh og and anobi and uh you know gary trent jr and some picks it's like those guys are older than shea yeah like if they're trading shea it's it's starting over again Right. So, and there, so yeah, I just and and the guys that you would bring up, shoot, it's just guys that those other teams aren't dealing. <laughs> you know, exactly. You're gonna like, call the, the Rockets. You actually, and, you're gonna call the Rockets. Ask for Jalen Green. You know, they're probably like, yeah, yeah I don't think so. I don't think we. They do wouldn't. That. And Detroit wouldn't do it for Cade. Lamelo. I mean, maybe Lamelo is one. Yeah, I, I yeah, that actually maybe. That's probably in the realm, but like Paulo, like Orlando's not trading Paulo. No, they're not trading Paulo. So it's a it's a very narrow window, and that's why the conversations you end up realizing that oh, this isn't actually going to happen anytime soon because there's no possible deal that makes sense unless Shea demanded a trade, and then you deal with that. Duran and Ivy. Yeah, like it would have to be something like that mm-hmm. because I don't think you can just trade for. Especially the, the deals that, that make me the most mad, Andrew. Uh-huh. The, the fake trade deals that make me the most mad. <laughs> are when it's a team like like Toronto, mm-hmm. where it's like they've their picks have been in the twenties for years now. And by the way, you're trade when if you did trade Shea, you were trading a twenty five year old in the first year of like five year deal. Like whatever team you're trading him to is expecting to be a playoff team for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You are not trading him, Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. Like, you're in the playoffs for forever now. Yeah, you're not. It, this isn't trading, you know, 32-year-old Russ or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or 32-year-old James Harden. Like, you're trading a 25-year-old. That team is going to be good. So you're, those picks coming back are not going to be valuable. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. <sighs> Anywho. Especially Shea to the Suns. Where it's like Shea and Booker and Aiden. Yeah, those picks are worthless. I don't want them. Why would you that's, ever want them? You just I mean, gave them a young core under twenty six. Right. That's your CP three bridge, like to the future of like, oh, our team's awesome forever now. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. Don't know why you did it. Yeah, it doesn't. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. 
to do that. Ugh. So this is going to be all year, all season. Yeah, Shay is really good. By the way, <laughs> like Shea Gilders Alexander is a really, really good basketball player. Not good enough. Uh, Hoops hype. Mike Scotto. He uh, yep. he interviewed a bunch of executives, had them rank the best players to build around who are under twenty five. Uh, Shea ranked thirteenth after previously ranking eighth on this list. That. Andrew, I saw that. People, uh, he's people think they can just get him for. He's underrated. He is underrated. He's underrated. He's he great. is underrated. Uh, and as long as he keeps playing fifty games a year, he will continue to be underrated. True that. Yeah. Um, I was helping Zach Harper write a piece for the Athletic, and part of it was talking about like, does is Shea going to be able to play seventy plus games this year? Would uh, that be nice? I said, don't count on it. Don't count on it. Uh, all right, Summers of Sam, Volume Eight. Uh, let's... Uh, volume Eight, Part Two. Well, we had Volume Seven. Now this is part. This is oh, eight. so it's so it's really Volume Seven, Part Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Volume Seven, Part Two. But we'll call it Volume Eight. Uh, let's start where we left off uh, last week, which is one uh, of my, so my favorite moments of um, McKelly on the pod. Oh, you have something to say? Oh, okay, yeah. There is a team that can put trade package together for for us, but surely Alex don't want to hear about it about them. Come Houston? On, yeah, they can. Who? Why would they? No. Who? Yeah. Oh, like like we would want CP3 back? So this is the night of the Paul George trade. We did a emergency pod. And I killing neither of us could like think of like that yeah, the, yeah, right. That's not happening. They're not trading to Houston. And they did like was it 2 weeks later? <laughs> yeah. And so the first thing I wanted to bring up is that I don't think we touched on Jeremy Grant last time. We he was not. traded three days after the PG trade. Yep. In a deal that, in retrospect, was much more about the luxury tax than any amazing return. Um, because they right. traded him to Denver for a 2021st, which was top 10 protected, which ev- eventually became a manual quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it ended up in the 20s, as we would expect. Mm-hmm. But it saved OKC at that time. Now, I don't know what their books looked like after the rest trade, but at that time, it saved them $39 million in salary and luxury Well, tax. it was important because Chris Paul and Westbrook's salaries matched dollar for dollar. Oh, that's right, yeah. So it didn't change their situation. So it didn't change. So it did save them $39 million. Yeah. Because there, there's a part of you that knowing how that next season played out, uh-huh. oh, it wouldn't have been nice to have Jeremy Grant around with Gallo, Stephen Adams. Isn't he, the our, per- like, he was like the perfect guy to have around for that team? Like just like this, that like this yeah. utility forward. They, they yeah. might, I mean, legitimately, they might beat Houston or finish ahead of Houston in the final standings if Jeremy Grant is on that team. Uh, probably not worth thirty nine million dollars, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's not my money. It would have been fun as a fan. <laughs> thirty nine million dollars to go to the second round, uh, maybe. <laughs> to, yeah, to to play the Lakers. It would have just been really s- sweet though to beat Houston in round one after all of like the hand wringing uh, about this yeah. trade that we're going to talk about. Yeah, so that that was a, a big trade, um, and. 
you know, I, I, we, I don't think anyone loved the trade at the time because we really liked Jeremy Grant. But we also recognize that, and, and to be fair, like at that time, Presti is probably thinking, I'm about to blow it up completely. Like we are about to tank if I'm going to have to trade Russ now. Oh, yeah. So I'm, prior, I'm prioritizing picks. As it turned out, it would take another year. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I, I I never loved that trade, and I think it ended up being a really nice trade for Denver, who who ended up losing him for nothing. But yeah, I always liked Jeremy Grant in that role. So I, I think also part of it was one. I don't think they knew what kind of season they were going to get out of Chris Paul. Um, they obviously knew that the Chris Paul deal was like on the table, and they didn't know what this team was going to be. I think they thought they were going to be bad. I think they thought that this team could just be putrid and that they get a high yeah. pick. And well, we did. I did too. Yeah, I thought they'd be horrible. Yeah. And then if I mean Jeremy Grant would have walked from OKC, you know, the following year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the idea is like okay, instead of like letting him. I mean, he's gonna go. Let's just get a pick for him. Let's save a bunch of money. You know, it's it's a. I mean, it really is such an. It's a no brainer trade when you just know the direction that they're going. You know, and then like, it's there's something like psychological about like if this team like went to round two and like went to like game six or seven in the second round, and then dismantled, it'd be like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, like you feel a little cheated, you know, by that as yeah. a fan base, and so. I feel like things worked out like the way they were supposed to because the teardown was coming. But if you overachieve and like you have like a shot to go to the West Finals, and then Chris Paul's like, "Yep, the plan is for me to leave. Peace out, Thunder fans." You'd be like, "What? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? Like, Shay's gonna get better next year, right? Like, what are we doing?" So I I just feel like the the road they were heading down it was like almost like it was it was great. You know, you get to seven games in round one. Something, you know, Westbrook and Paul George never did. I know. I was going to say that that would have complicated Russ, Russ's legacy a little bit. If, like, immediately after he leaves, after three first-round exits, they, like, do better in the playoffs with this team that wasn't supposed to be good. Yeah. So you kind of preserve the legacy a little bit. Uh, so the Oh, so before we get to the actual deal, I wanted to talk about what was going on with Chris Paul in the, in the run-up to mm-hmm. this trade. Mm-hmm. So Vincent Goodwill had reported that CP3 demanded a trade and that Harden told the front office to choose between them after losing to the Warriors. He described the relationship as unsalvageable. And then Kevin O'Connor afterwards said, I had heard prior to all this happening, the Westbrook trade, that Harden may have gone as far as to request a trade from the Rockets if Chris Paul wasn't traded. That's how far their discontent with each other went. And then, of course, what I remember is Daryl Morey, like vociferously denying all of these rumors and allegations. Jonathan Fagan, uh, who's a beat writer in, in Houston, tweeted out a thoroughly exasperated Daryl Morey said Chris Paul and his reps have never asked to trade him and he will be on the Rockets next season. Said yeah, he and Harden do that. not have issues with one another and that he has spoken to both this offseason about free agency evaluations and plans. Zach Lowe, quote, retweeted that, said just spoke. To Daryl Morey, he reiterated, there's been no trade demand from Chris Paul. Tweet that I said that. Print it. Tweet it twice. 
which is so funny because obviously there were issues. It's so funny, like these, those two. these GMs that like communicate, you know, like that through the media. Because I'm, I'm just like thinking about Danny Ainge this summer and how he told Tony Jones, like, yeah, I'm not t- trading Donovan Mitchell. Like he told him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's just like, man, it's just funny to think about that. You know, with like the choices that like GMs make, like, okay, I'm going to directly communicate. Then it's like, okay, now what do we believe? You know, that's where I think Sam, like, I think some people are frustrated Sam doesn't like talk like that, you know, to to media members. But at the same time, you have to find yourself in situations where like, I'm bluffing right now. Like, I have to bluff because if I don't, like things get bad really fast. Yeah, I mean it's not worth it for him to come out and say, "Oh yeah, it's terrible between them." Like we have to figure, we have to get rid yeah. of one of them this summer. Yeah, the, yeah, this is this ain't gonna work out, guys. It ain't gonna work out for us. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just a weird, it's just a weird position to be in as a general manager because you either stay silent and work the back channels, or you're just bluffing. And like some, and it's just, the other thing it's just I, funny to see how the, these guys do it. The other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, obviously, we all know that Chris Paul's Chris Paul's contract at that time was seen very negatively. Yeah, um, uh, like you know, Tillman obviously had the the quote about mm-hmm. it being one of the worst contracts he'd seen in business or sports. Yeah. What I found interesting, though, is I found two articles from that summer Mm -hmm. or in, like, the second half of that season ranking the worst contracts in the league at that time. Mm -hmm. Both articles had Westbrook and CP3 in the worst three contracts, and both had Russ ranked as worse than CP3. Just because of the year. Which, yeah, but, like, at at that time, I was not thinking – like obviously it's a huge contract, but I was not thinking of it as like this terrible albatross burdensome contract because mm-hmm. there were guys like John Wall who at that time still, you know, was injured. And so like that was a contract that was, oh, that's so obviously worse than Westbrook. Like that deal, as bad as it apparently was in twenty nineteen, how it was viewed, it hit it got significantly worse yeah. over the next couple seasons. Yeah. I guess it just goes to show that whoever wrote that article was right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they nailed it. Oh, that's actually... Oh, let me see. Because we would have railed this. against it at the time. Because I think that we still had this like undying okay. belief about Russ. <laughs> so I found... Uh, so you can. there's this uh, Reddit advanced search website mm-hmm. where you can like search a subreddit over a certain period of time. And I found this Reddit post the only title was our boys killed Zach Lowe and Howard Beck's argument that Russ is a negative asset. Zach is a douchebag loser that shouldn't be covering the NBA. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's really funny. I wonder who they're talking about. I clicked on the link and it was a link to one of our podcasts. (laughs) It was a link to the Wednesday pod (laughs) talking about Zach Lowe. Now to be clear, we did not call Zach a douchebag loser. This person did, but but we were, we were fighting back against, the characterization of Russ as a negative asset, which uh-huh. in this deal he was not. He was not. But I think I think if this to deal our didn't credit, exist, to our credit, to our credit, to our credit. But 
to be fair, like, and, and Zach Lowe said this when the deal went down in his like recap of the deal was like, this was more than I thought anyone would ever be willing to give up for Westbrook. Like, I don't think there was another deal like this out there. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before. It was really like a perfect storm for OKC and how this worked out. Oh, is, and the same is true for the Paul George deal. There was mm-hmm. not going to be another trade like that because everybody always talks about how like they didn't only get PG, they got Kawhi too. So they were willing to give up everything that yeah. Sam wanted because of that. And it's and it's it hard is, not to look at this deal and say like Houston yeah. had to get rid of Chris Paul like yes. based on what they gave up. Yes, and it was a deal that both Westbrook and Harden wanted, which probably made Maury feel better about making the trade. Yeah, just because he knew that they would both be amenable to whatever. And it's just funny seeing how that Rockets year shaped up, and it was a. It's a precursor to what the rest of Westbrook's career was going to be. It was, we couldn't get Russ to change, so we had to change everything because of Russ. And to be fair to them, like that, what they did was what I had wanted to see for Russ. Like, it's something that you would do in NBA 2K just to see if it worked. Mm -hmm. And credit to them for doing it. And it largely did work when they finally traded Capella in that second half of that season. Then he gets injured, and so you don't like really get to see what it would have looked like. Though there were a lot of people saying in the run up to those playoffs, like how exhausting that style of play was for guys like PJ Tucker and some of the guys who are having to play up in the lineup. Oh, yeah. um, but I, I respected Houston for doing what they did, like actually trying to make it work, as opposed to like LA trading for him and just expecting what I don't know. Like not changing anything, actually making it worse. Like let's see how bad of a fit we can get around Russ, and just expect his superstardom to like take over. Yeah, and I also think Maury knew that there was an expiration date on this team as well, and on his time yeah. with the Rockets. So it was like, all right, let's just try it. You know, it may not be like the long term sustainable option for us but like heck i don't know let's just try it let's just see so uh before i mention the actual details of the trade so after the paul george trade woj's first tweet about russ wanting out name miami i know as an interested team and in the run-up to this trade that was really the only team we were seriously talking about Mm -hmm. um because it just seems so obvious like Russ oh, yeah. going to Miami with oh, yeah. Jimmy Butler. Oh. I mean, oh, that kind of it all. Get the Vice City jerseys. Like they're just gonna look like so cool. What? Like it was a team that we felt like we could root for. It's like, oh, this is perfect. What a great transition for us. And the Miami Herald reported that there were trade discussions, and OKC asked Miami to include two of Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, and Justice Winslow. Uh. Which obviously, if you get Bam in that deal, even if it's Bam and Justice Winslow, like that ends up being like a really good trade for Russell Westbrook. Oh, um, but but they were never going to do that. I think realistically, like maybe they would have done Tyler Hero and Justice Winslow, mm-hmm. which you 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 know 
we'll, we'll have to see how how what turns I was gonna out. Say, with that these, might these end picks. up being the better deal, just depending it, it could on be. what it happens could be. with these picks. But I would still uh, bet a, on the pick. I would bet on the picks rather than on Hero at this point. And it was just funny to see Justice Winslow's name. I mean, that was only a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. he was thought of really highly. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Memphis kind of you know really made a big trade to get him, thinking like, oh, this is an undervalued guy and we can plug him into our lineup, and he can be our big wing of the future. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work out. And maybe it will work out now in Portland. Who knows? Uh, we will so. see. Now, Brett Dawson and Sam Amick at The Athletic, they listed Miami, Houston, and Detroit as suitors for Westbrook in trade discussions. So those were really like the three teams that you heard. Detroit would have been like an all-time – I mean, as bad as it got for Westbrook, you know, with going to – having to be traded like – four times in four years or whatever it was uh going to detroit with breaking down blake griffin would have truly been like the worst timeline would have been really sad very very bad they because they probably would have been a lottery team quickly yeah yeah they would at least houston was still like a good team and and Mm -hmm. even washington you know had bradley beal were still like a solid team if he if he goes to Detroit and Blake Griffin basically his career ends that like next year, that would have been an awful situation. It would have been great for the Thunder if you have Detroit's picks though. Oh my gosh! You get Seku Dimboya and the Pistons picks. Yes, I mean, Seku Dimboya. Let's go. We would have talked ourselves into Seku very quickly. Yeah, Seku. Uh, and, so the actual- Seku and Poku. Seiko and Poku. So the actual deal traded Russ to Houston for CP3, a 2021 Houston swap, which did not convey, yep. as we all know, a 24 and 26 Houston first, both of which are top four protected, and then a 25 Houston swap, which is top 10 protected. Yep. And uh, I'm still feeling um, – I there's, there's picks I like more at this point, but that 24 Houston, I'm – feeling okay about it because i do think they well we know they're going to have a lot of cap space next summer Mm -hmm. i think that tillman is going to be itching to put a like functional basketball team back on the court oh yeah and they definitely seem like uh the type of team who would want to go out and acquire some veterans and try to make a push just for competency Mm -hmm. next year I don't know if they have for, for a franchise that, as we've talked about before, like this is their worst, like season-long streak of being bad in their franchise's history. Mm-hmm. Like this is very abnormal for the Houston Rockets. They seem like they have less of an appetite for pushing this another year. Now it might happen just because they're bad. Yeah, but I think I think they seem like the type of franchise who will do what they can to be relevant next year. Yeah. I would agree. This next draft is going to be a big one for them with regards to that pick and the trajectory of the team. If they get like the fifth pick, I don't know how you'd feel. If they get number one, you feel great. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it is a, they need some things to go right for them to be able to avoid these picks like being like catastrophic for them you know yeah um so 
I want to talk about some things that happened after the trade, which okay. this I really I, I have I a couple did of videos first. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, show the video. So I've got one that is Bill Simmons' reaction, and then I've got just like the Royce Young report. So we'll start with Royce. What were the things that led to getting rid of Russell Westbrook? That's a monumental deal. Yeah, it's kind of a it's an awkward timeline of events, Kenny, that that led to the Thunder trading their franchise player, the guy that, that has spent 11 years in Oklahoma City. And it really started back with Paul George's trade request. Obviously, everything changed at that moment. Uh, the timetable for the Thunder, the outlook for the upcoming season, and really Russell Westbrook's perspective as well. Um, and one thing that sources have told me, Kenny, is that when Paul George put that request in with the Thunder, Russell Westbrook didn't try to change his mind. He was basically understanding of the situation and understood that essentially that meant that that gave him a ticket out as well because in some ways this was a mutual agreement. The Thunder wanted to accommodate Westbrook, get him to the team that he wanted to play for, which was very definitively the Houston Rockets. Westbrook wanted to pair back up with former teammate James Harden and the Thunder wanted to get him there and they understood that with Paul George gone and the outlook for the team in a different place, it was time to start the rebuild and Russell Westbrook just really didn't fit that type of timeline for this type for this Thunder team. So it became very obvious for both sides they were motivated to get it done, and both the Thunder and Russell Westbrook and his representation made it happen. You mentioned the 11 years, the longest tenured active player with the same team. Remember, he was selected actually by the Sonics, then moved with the team when they moved uh, for that next season. What will be his legacy in Oklahoma City? Well, he's obviously the first guy that's going to have a statue out in front of the arena. He's not the first guy to have his jersey retired. Nick Collison got that honor last season, but Westbrook will certainly have that, Kenny. Um, he, is, he is the Thunder in so many ways, and he's, in, in, in a lot of ways, he also represents this era. The highs, the lows, the drama, the injuries, everything that the Thunder kind of went through, the ups and downs and everything that they've experienced, it kind of embodies Russell Westbrook, right? I mean, the guy is one of the most dramatic, emotional, passionate, and intense players and this decade of Thunder basketball was one of the most intense periods that we've seen in the NBA with everything that happened around them so he will be remembered very fondly by Thunder fans um, he's he's an all-time player an all-time great and while it's an awkward ending for Russell Westbrook to go to the Houston Rockets and rejoin James Harden it's also one that I think that fans will look back on and understand that it was necessary for both sides to part ways thanks for watching ESPN <laughs> so I just remembered thinking like man it was a it was just such a weird few weeks because I mean if you were to tell yourself like three weeks prior to that moment like you know Russell Westbrook if somebody like came on a, a show and was like hey I think Russell Westbrook wants to go to the Rockets like I think everybody would just be like what especially like Oklahoma City fans, just be like, what in the world is going on here? And then, like, it happens. And the reporting, which was accurate, it's like Russell Westbrook wanted to go to Houston. That just was like, it was one of the bigger, like, gut punches. And it's like, man, like, this better, it's like, Sam, this better work out. Because if he goes to Houston and there's, like, a big success there, it, I don't know. I think at the time we were just like, oh my gosh, did Sam just like hand Daryl Morey like this like get out of jail free card with like getting rid of Chris Paul, getting a player that we think is better in Russ? Because that was the narrative. 
everybody thought that, including Bill Simmons here. Like, listen, like Bill thought he was better than Chris Paul too. And I made the case, like, look, Daryl likes stars. If he feels like Westbrook is a better star than Chris Paul, he's going to make a move on him. I just assumed it would be like a straight up deal. And maybe there was like one first rounder thrown in. Houston paid a pretty big price here to get the worst contract in the league or one of the three worst contracts in the league. Sorry. If you, um, Westbrook, here's what he has left. 38.5 million, 41.3 million, 44.2 million, 47 million. So it's just interesting to, to listen back to some of this stuff just because people did think that Russ was the better player. But I think people are also a little shocked by the trade itself that the Thunder were able to get picks. I think from our standpoint, it did feel like, oh man, like this Russ Harden thing could like really work. <laughs> like this could really work, and this could really backfire on Sam all over again with Houston. But it kind of makes you wonder, like, what did Sam really think about Russ at that point in 2019? I think it tells you quite a bit. Because if he felt the same way that we did, he probably doesn't make that trade. Or, or, or I don't know. Is, is if he thinks it's the best the trade, trade, I think he makes it either way. Yeah, yeah. You know, but... Uh, yeah. So after the deal happens, Caesars, the, the, the sports book, had Houston with the fourth best odds to win the championship. 538. So 538. The stat nerds, Andrew, they projected the playoff standings after the rush trade. Rockets were number one in the West with a 24% chance of winning the title. You, <sighs> you never see percentages that high until you get like later in the season. And even then, like a one in four chance they were going to win the West, which blew my mind. And it was true because I went back and listened to our podcast that we did. And I brought it up on that podcast. I was shocked then, too. Um, just because, I mean, like for years, we had heard how Westbrook was, you know, like an anti-stats darling. Mm-hmm. You know, like anyone within the, the any of the stats nerds, they, they usually did not like Russ because he was so inefficient. Yep. So the idea that you add him and all of a sudden they're the number one team with a 24% <laughs> chance of winning the title. I, I just I, to this day I don't understand. Um, I know it didn't make any sense. Nope. And then for the Thunder, it felt I think my immediate thought when Chris Paul was a member of the Thunder, my immediate thought was, how do we get this guy out of here? You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. The so the Ringer did like a winners and losers of that trade. Mm-hmm. It's very fun to look back at it because they're basically all wrong based on how you would how you would grade it today and not to to take shots at this article because i think it's just reflecting what the you know common wisdom at that time was they had chris paul as a loser which like chris paul has come out the best out of all three of these guys he made it to an nba finals yeah it changed his whole career like since that trade harden has been on three teams Mm -hmm. with, with the rockets nets and sixers Westbrook has been on the Rockets, Wizards, and Lakers, and potentially a fourth team. Yep. And Chris Paul took a team to the playoffs that wasn't supposed to make the playoffs and then ended up in the NBA Finals. 
So I would say he's definitely the winner. Uh, Russell Westbrook was a winner, which I would say, in you know, at, halfway through that first year, you could maybe say, okay, finally he's on a team that is like completely <laughs> upended everything yeah. to try to make this work yeah, for yeah. him. Um, he he was becoming much more efficient, but long term, like that trade was not good for Russ. I don't. Although to be fair, like I don't know what trade would have been good for Russ. I mean, maybe if he ends up in Miami, just because Spo is such a good coach, they like figure something out. No, I don't. I just Probably think not. that I just think that Russ hit a point in his career that he just couldn't do it anymore. Like he just couldn't be the guy anymore. And yeah, I mean, we all made this argument. If anybody's going to get him to become a role player in this league, it's going to be LeBron, and not even LeBron could do it. You know, and so honestly, the Wizards situation is probably the best one for him because it's there's no crazy achievement expected. Like, no crazy fan base. No crazy fan base. No fans. Uh, and just, like, they made the playoffs great. Like, Wizards fans are still like, yeah, bring him back. That was cool. You know? <laughs> like, he needs that kind of situation where they're just like, yeah, take the team. You can you have the team. You can have it. But it, when it comes to, like, winning big, I, I think, like, that ship has kind of sailed. So, two other winners according to the ringer, Mike D'Antoni, who was out of a job within a year and has never come back to coaching. I mean, he was, he was a assistant coach in Brooklyn, but uh-huh. has not been a head coach since. And Daryl Morey, who also was gone within a year. Mm-hmm. Um, though he, he kind of did win in a way because he did by making this trade, he blew up everything and was able to get out of Houston and get with what most people would say is a much better ownership group. And, with with younger players, mm-hmm. I mean, now he has like Embiid and Maxi, and obviously now he has Harden. Yeah, um, there's still issues with the Sixers, but I think he got into a much better situation. Yeah, because yeah. of this bad trade. Yeah, <laughs> the one that was correct though, they did have Sam Presti as a winner, which I would agree. Okay, that Sam yeah. Presti uh, was a winner. Now listen to this because you know we're doing summers of Sam, and we've talked about uh, the 2016 with KD and. How, oh, KD had said all this stuff. You know, he said he's going to be here forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he said. Harden, after this trade, he bought a $15 million stake in Houston's MLS team, the Dynamo. And his quote was, it was time. I'm invested. This is my city, and I'm here to stay. I know I need to bring a championship in basketball, and I will. That's coming very, very soon. I'm a part of this city, and I am here forever. <laughs> I just thought that was funny because these guys say stuff like this all the time. And yeah. It's probably best that we just ignore it. That, that's why, like, <laughs> as much as I, like, don't want to entertain any Shea trade ideas, I also don't want to continually go back to the same Instagram post where he said home and act like it's, like, some, like, oh, he said home, so that means he wants to be here forever. Mm-hmm. That's how, the way it's going to be. Like, we did the same thing with KD. So I'm, like, not going to do that. Yeah. But I'm also going to... Sh- continue to shoot down bad shade trades yeah yeah uh you said so the podcast that we did mm-hmm. you said that ben golliver mm-hmm. ben golliver his immediate reaction to the trade was this is the end of harden in houston which is pretty yeah pretty good yeah pretty good 
Yeah, that's that is really good. And and a part of that came from just Ben not being a Westbrook believer, you know, over yeah. the past few years. And he was right. I mean, that's what it led to. And I know this is some of this stuff is hard to digest as like a really if you're like a big Westbrook fan, you know. But like this is just part of like Russ being Russ. Like let Russ be Russ is you get situations like this. You also had incredible situations in 2012 where you make the NBA Finals, where in 2016 you get as close to making the NBA Finals as possible because you let Russ be Russ. But when things start to fall apart and you continue to let Russ be Russ, this is what happens. Like you're ha- The stuff that's going on in LA, like this is what happens. I mean, it's just a part of it. Like It's just all a part of the ride. It is definitely a part of the ride, and you'll feel much better about all this in a decade because the yeah. later years of his career will kind of fade away. He'll come back to OKC. They'll retire his jersey, and it'll all just feel great. Yes. like I don't. I'm I'm an Iverson fan. I do not think about the Grizzlies years. Yeah. I do not think about the Pistons years, right. or even really the Nuggets years. Mm-hmm. To be fair, and they were actually fine. They were good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. We had a podcast, and I said the top five things to hate about the Westbrook trade. I had, I had a list. I just wanted to read them out. Because I, I reading it back, I realized this was mostly like – I didn't actually hate the trade that much. Um, so the top five ones. Well, number five, Presti bailed out Maury again, mm-hmm. which, as we talked about, if, if they had have been good, if they had been good, this would have been the case. Mm-hmm. Because Maury, as we've talked about, was in a tough spot again – now with Chris Paul, like this contract nobody wanted, and if he had been able to get off of that contract and then start like a new run with Westbrook and Harden, that would have been bad. It would have been bad. That would have been real bad. Think about how good it would have been for Houston if they would have just kept Chris Paul and he went on this plant-based diet and he was as good as he was. Like they could have, yeah, I, they could have been the best team in the West again. Probably. I almost feel like so much of that, of Chris Paul's like regeneration was like him hitting rock bottom, which was getting traded to OKC and like wanting to prove everyone wrong. Yeah. And maybe that happens in Houston, but I I do think that was like a huge career shift for CPP. Yeah. And the Thunder had a plan for Chris that changed because... They're like, yeah, we're gonna sit you at, in these pockets of the season, and yeah, you know, Chris is like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing. I'm getting uh, my career back on track. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. My number four reason was that the trade forced me to realize that a lot of OKC fans are more Russ fans than OKC fans. Um, True which, for some, yeah. still. Yeah, I, I went back and read the original Reddit post of the trade and the comments. There were so many comments about Becoming Rockets fans, mm-hmm. like rooting for the Rockets. Mm. And I remember that summer, that being like my major point of disagreement with a lot of people is I refused that, that I wanted the Houston Rockets to fail. Oh, I yeah. did not care that Russell Westbrook was on the team. Oh, yeah. I was not going to change my position on hating the Rockets just because Russ was on that team. Yep, and I, I stand by that yeah. to this day. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, number three reason was CP3's contract, which we've talked about. I mean, we were really worried about are we going to get anything for this? We were, I was willing to give up a pick if I could just get off of this contract. Yeah, I had so many picks. It was like, all right, let's just, can we get this show on the road? Let's get rid of this guy. And then the number one reason was the pro Russ sentiments from national media, which basically the idea, which, which I mean, I, I kind of explained it with five thirty-eight, but all of a sudden, like people were looking on the bright side of Russ, whereas mm-hmm. previously it was always like, you know, glass half empty. Now it was glass half full. Like, oh, you know what? Russ is pretty good. I mean, he does add some some dynamism to the Houston Rockets. And people obviously were talking them up. I mean, really thought – I mean, the betting odds had them fourth to win the title. Yep. So people were hyped on this pairing 
even if they had questions about it. Best rebounding guard in the history of the NBA. That's true. Still true. Yeah. Um, so anything else before I move on to kind of like post post trade, what do we do with CP three? Uh, no, I mean, it was just, it was a really crazy way to end the era. Like it felt so abrupt. Because one week we're did. we're talking about Alec Burks and like what he can be, and yeah. then in like three weeks later it's like oh, like how Shea Gilders Alexander am I even saying his name right? You know, like that's that's where we were. You know, I mean it was it was so abrupt and, but it was looking back, the way that Sam executed it was to perfection because the amount of assets that they got out of that whole thing is, and this is just the beginning, you know, of, of what is to come for this team. Unbelievable that you get Shea and all those picks and you get Russ traded for a player that's going to help you and bring one of the more enjoyable seasons in a long time to Oklahoma City too in the midst yeah, sure. of making all the I mean it was I don't think that that it could have gone much better in the event that your player wants out because a lot of teams whenever their best players want out it's like oh man it's like total destruction I mean I think about uh Cleveland you know the first time around they just got lucky that they got Kyrie but like think about some of the other guys that had like Tristan Thompson was like a, a nice player for that team. Like Tristan Thompson was like a top five pick. Like that's not like that's not what you want. Like they drafted Dion. I love Dion. They ended up trading Dion for like a bad first round pick. You know, yeah. it was like total annihilation of the franchise. And to think that like Kevin wanted out summer twenty sixteen, and then Russ wants out summer twenty nineteen with newly acquired like newly re-signed Paul George it's like oh man but the amount of stuff you got the fact that they were able to get Shea remains such a big deal that I think is going to we're going to look back and like Shea is going to be like one of the I think he I think he'll play here for a long time I think he's going to be like you look back and it's like yeah it's like you know Kevin and Russ and those guys I think Shea's going to be pretty high on that list Carefully, Andrew. I hope we don't come back to this podcast and clip that. <laughs> Summers of Sam 20, <laughs> 2030. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really do. I, I think that he, if he wasn't bought into the vision of what this franchise wants, like he'd be gone already. I mean, the time to trade him was before he signed this five year max deal, you know? Like yeah, you, I totally agree with that. I, I just, I'm just always reminded that things change, people change. Like, I do believe that Kevin Durant, the things he said back when he said them, he did believe. Yeah, them. I don't think he was lying. Yeah, but Kevin, um, I, mean, I mean, he'll. I mean, this is Shea's third season with the Thunder. And yeah, and he's got five more. Like, if he just plays out this contract just the same the way that Kevin did. Yeah, like, for that's sure. a long time still. And if he wants to go somewhere else, like that'll be up to him. But if the plan works the way that Sam 
and his team hope that it does, you're going to be a, a team that's like in the mix. So, I mean, that's that's like the plan. I think that Shea, I think Shea's a big part of it. And getting Shea in that Paul George deal, to me, is just, it's, it is one of those franchise-changing moments. I didn't know Shea was this good. Like, when we're talking, about, I don't know how much we talked about Shea that summer. I don't think that we really even knew how to talk about him, you know? We'd, we'd talk about the playoff series and how he played really well. I don't think that we'd have ever thought, like, hey, you know, this guy's going to be leading the league in drives, and he's going to be one of the more unique guards in the league. And, I mean, I just don't think that we thought that. And I don't think we thought he was a point guard even at the time. You know, there was just a oh, for sure. there was just so much to learn about him that we just had no clue. And even, I mean, I would say, like, if you give the Thunder of Truth Serum, like, did you did they think that Shea had a, chance, had a, had a legit chance to be what he is today? I'm sure they're like, yeah, there's a there's a shot that he becomes a really good player, but like we just we liked him, we liked the season that he had, but what he has become in a pretty short amount of time uh, is pretty unbelievable. Like that's, I mean, if, if it was just SGA for Paul George, like that's a fair trade in itself, just because of the age difference. Yeah, and because of games played and last year's you know, shooting issues at the beginning of the season, it still feels like there's significant ceiling left. Without like, a doubt. Like he, he, is, he is not just – like, I mean, he was a 25, 5, and 6 guy last year. Which I, like that, that, I mean, just basic stats, that's, like, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to love guys who were 25, 5, and 5 growing up. Like, I just it, – it was because of fantasy. But, like, I was always attracted to guys who could oh, do yeah. that. And it was like – guys like Brandon Roy like I love Brandon Roy Mm -hmm. because of that Mm -hmm. and Shea is already there and there's clear things that he could get better at Mm -hmm. one one being his shooting and two just being like if he just put up those stats over a full season playing like 70 plus games like all of a sudden people will have to talk about him in you know end of year discussions even if it's just like as an honorable mention like you they would have to talk about him at Mm -hmm. some point yeah no no doubt. And with the trade now, as you count it up, it's Shea, it's J-Dub, it's Trey Mann. And it doesn't stop there yet, but if it did stop there, you'd be like, yeah, that's a great deal. That was a great deal for the Thunder. Like, they really cashed in yeah. on on Paul George. But, like, there's more incoming, you know, with that trade. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy to think about. We don't even know what Trey Mann and J-Dub could be. Maybe they're not players that are on this team you know when they make their run but there's a chance that like one or both those guys are and that they're significant pieces you know there's there's at least a shot um so just quickly i i wanted to mention so after the trade is made we're talking about trading chris paul to the miami heat again yep (laughs) talking about the heat again yep brian windhorse reported at that time Chris Paul's preference was to get traded to Miami Heat, but Miami wants their 2021 and 2023 first-round picks back from OKC in any deal for Chris Paul. So you'd have to give up two picks just to get off of the contract. Um, which, honestly, at that time, I mean, I was willing to give up one pick. I yeah. think I, I was saying I, I'd be willing to give up the Denver pick that we got in the Jeremy Grant uh, deal. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, obviously... 
Presti was never going to do that. <laughs> and as yeah. we'll talk about next week, it turned out really well. Steve yeah. Kyler, he tweeted out, having talked with a few GMs, there is almost no appetite for the final year of CP3's deal, which is so funny because he opted out of it. <laughs> My understanding is the Thunder may have to shovel over several picks to get a team to look at that cap hit. Today, I think he starts the season in OKC. And then I just wanted to read this quote from Chris uh, with uh, in the undefeated. He was interviewed there, mm-hmm. asked about his initial reaction to the trade. He said, my initial reaction, Paul said with a laugh, I was shocked. Truth be told, I had just talked to Daryl a couple days before the trade, and he said he wasn't going to trade me to Oklahoma City. That's funny because that is going to be the alert that pops up on everybody's phone because nobody knows that. But what the hell? I just said it. Maury declined comment on Paul saying he was – saying he was told he would have been traded to the Thunder, but sources close to the Rockets say Maury told Paul days before the trade there was a slim chance he could be dealt to the Thunder and that the message may have been misinterpreted. Um, it's just, like, things worked out so well for Chris Paul. I mean, he must have – I mean, we love Oklahoma City. We love the Thunder. Yeah. But for him at that stage of his career, I mean, they were coming off two seasons where they were – challenging the Warriors, at least yeah. in that one series where they and went the to And the Warriors just fell apart. Yes. And for him to go from that to then get traded to Oklahoma City, a team that is blowing up. Like, they just traded Paul George. They just traded Jeremy Grant. Now they're trading Russ. Yep. And he's going to that team. I just – he must have wondered, like, am I actually ever going to get out of this situation? Mm-hmm. Like, is this he, – he must have wondered, is my career going to end here? And yep. for – it to turn around the way it did and credit to him because he made huge changes in his life to, to get to that point. But it's, it's, it's amazing how that turned for him to where he out of like Harden and Russ and Chris Paul has come out the best of those three guys from this deal. Yeah. And you you think about just what a missed opportunity it was for a lot of franchises. Oh my gosh. Like, like like you mean trading for him the next year when the Suns Uh did. Uh Uh-huh. Because even even then, there were Suns fans who did not want to make that deal because people still felt that way about Chris Paul. Even though, I, I mean, he he was an All Star with OKC. He right? was awesome. I'm yeah. remembering that right. He was yeah very good. Took took the team to the playoffs, and there were still a lot of franchises who were like, okay, but now he's another year older, mm-hmm. and I and I still don't want to be on the back end of that deal. Yeah, I think about Philly. Yeah, Philly, that would have helped. Philly a lot because he because he could have played off of Ben Simmons as he showed in that year. Well, he showed it with Harden, but he also showed it in the three guard lineup with OKC. I know he would have yeah. been a great fit. Yeah, it, it would have solved a lot of problems for Philly if they would have done that trade, you know, and given up yeah. whatever it took to get him. And you, if you could like rewind it and just be like, hey, everybody gets a redo on this. <laughs> One, you get a lot more than what they got, you know. For sure. And, and there would have been a lot of other teams who would have been interested. There would have been a ton of suitors for him. I mean, Miami, who eventually went for Kyle Lowry, like, a, a year or two later. Like, he would have – that would have made a lot of sense in retrospect. Oh, yeah. Team. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they made it to the NBA Finals with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just crazy to think about, and now they're having like some big time issues in Phoenix. But like, I don't know. You, I think if you would have told Phoenix like, "Hey, you're gonna have a run to the finals, and then everything's gonna fall apart," 
Would you still do it? Like, yeah, of course you'd still do it. I mean, it's just a, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's an absolute no-brainer for Phoenix to, to have gone through with that. So it's just, it is, it is wild how many things changed from that summer up until now, and like the Chris Paul narrative. And we'll talk more about it next week. Is just a, it's a wild one, man. It was. I mean, at the time, I was so bummed out. I thought. I thought we should just trade him to any team that would just give us like two salaries that could just break up his contract. Like that's what we thought yeah. about him. Kind of like the Porzingis deal that Dallas did. Yeah, I think I would have been very satisfied with a deal like that. You know, and at the time we're like, we're not going to win anyways, so just get like two guys. I remember even thinking like, if we could just trade him, and I think Myers Leonard was like going to be a part of the package which Myers actually oh was yeah like briefly part <laughs> of the thunder true. for like a couple hours or whatever um but yeah I remember just thinking like yeah whatever I don't care who the players are it actually doesn't even matter who the players are uh I don't even care about getting a pick for him and thunder did get a pick for him but ended up not mattering all that much but um it's just it's it's an incredible deal for the thunder I don't know that it's a deal that, you know, at the time that the Thunder are thinking that, oh, we'll have a gap year. We'll see how it goes. You know, I don't, I doubt that they thought that, but it ended up, and we'll talk talk about it next week, being one of like the more magical Thunder seasons that we've had. It was, uh, it was so fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, if they had true, if they had been able to tank, that first year yeah in 2020 it's kind of nice in retrospect that it took another year because you look at that top of that draft obviously anthony edwards you know very excited about him you're excited about labello but you know if you end up with like a james wiseman as your first pick of this new rebuild or patrick williams or isaac okoro like that next year, 21, is just so much more loaded. Mm-hmm. Going going back to, like, pick eight with, like, Franz. I mean, Franz Wagner. Yeah. You, it, it's just such a more loaded draft. And so it kind of worked out timing-wise, even though we were so excited to be tanking at the time, like going into that Chris Paul season yeah. when we thought they were going to be bad. Yeah, five through ten in twenty twenty. Akoro, Akongwu, and I like Akongwu, but like he's dealt with so many injuries. Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Denny Avdia, Jalen Smith, who had already had his option declined. Yeah. You know, I mean that's a, that's a wild one. Like how many other guys have had their options declined? It's not very many in the top ten. It's just not. There's just nobody. You know, Kevin Knox just got a new contract for crying out loud. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just as is is crazy to think about. But yeah, had they got like the number one pick, eh, that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, otherwise, otherwise, not not so great. And I wonder. I bet they would have taken Lamelo. That would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, he fits the mold of this current Thunder iteration, like like great passer, like understands how to play the game very well uh cool guy you know uh cool guy uh now andrew before you we give our grades there's mm-hmm. one more piece of news that happened this summer 
Oklahoma City, this is Woj speaking, Oklahoma City and Ford, Patrick Patterson have agreed to a buyout mm-hmm. on the final season of his contract, allowing him to become a free agent. Uh, so now that you know that, what would you give 2019 as a grade? From the moment that, and I guess it was Russ that wanted out first, which is what Ramona Shelburne reported, that Russ wanted out first. Uh, oh, after the season. Yep. Yeah. And that Paul was just basically given like the first out. This is an like, A+. plus. You know, this is a grand slam for for Presty. Like it doesn't get it's it's difficult to get much better than this when it's time for everything to be over. Like to get all of this in return, and to basically get the same season, maybe even better season, plus all the assets, plus Shea. Because if they had just kept everything together, they probably get a season very similar to the one they're about to get. Yeah, and so you get, yeah, okay, great. You can have that same kind of season where you go compete in the first round and you're done. Plus, you get a kajillion picks. You get Shea. Like it just doesn't. I just don't know how you could have done better. I mean, this is. There were some. There were some rough years in there for Sam. But like this is. This is the year that shows like okay. Like he's like he's got it. Like he's still got it. I know he's he showed that with getting Paul George and all that, but like this is one where you're like, oh, okay. Like I really do feel like I can trust him with like the future of this franchise kind of, you know, moves. Well, the the worst thing in this summer, and relatively speaking, was drafting Darius Baisley at twenty one or twenty three, I guess, just because we liked some of the guys around there. But yeah. at the same time, then they then they get Lou Dort. As an unre- like as a as an unsigned rookie yeah. or undrafted rookie, yeah, and so it's like, well, the, like the Basley thing in retrospect, it's just like it's a, it's a speck of on on this like amazing thing that Sam Presti created that summer. I mean, it was it was everything. Yeah, yeah, it was a pick in the twenties, and honestly, like, still like a worthwhile gamble, even though we know all the, yeah for sure all that we know about Bays is like okay. And and we still don't know ultimately what Darius will be. I think we have a good idea. I feel like I have like an eighty percent of an idea of what he'll be, you know. But like there's still yeah, like and, this and margin that, of like I don't know, like still something could work out for him where like the shooting from the corner just clicks and it's like, oh, okay, now he's like a very helpful player. And that's why I said relatively, because we've talked about some of these other picks in the twenties. Like he's a better pick than Josh Eustace. He's a better pick than oh. Mitch McGarry. Like Ferg. he's he's probably a better pick than Terrence Ferguson. Definitely better than like, Ferg. Yeah. So, so like relatively speaking, like <laughs> Presty's made way worse picks in the twenties. So it was yeah. the worst thing of this summer, but it actually like it was fine. It's, yeah, it's like a whatever. It's like a B or a C plus. Yeah, you know. And it's it's definitely not bringing down an A plus for this summer. I mean, I think right. this is like the most the clearest A plus of any of the ones that we've discussed. Yeah, I don't think it's really debatable. Whether this is, I mean, this is the right. one of his greatest summers, you know. Yeah, it doesn't it the greatest summer does not get much better than this one. Um, hopefully, there'll be better ones in the future. Twenty twenty four, I've got some high hopes. You know. Oh, two years from now. <laughs> okay, great. Well, that's where the Houston pick that that Houston pick yeah. that could come into play, and, and that's also and you're hoping that they're good. 
Because that's when things like that's when things get like could get really like out of control. Good is if they're like, oh, this team is pretty good, and we get like the ninth pick to either take oh my somebody. Gosh. If they're, or they better to trade. Be <laughs> if they're not good, I think they'll be <sighs> they'll be at least middle of the road by then. Because I I think by then they're not. I don't think you're doing the Kalidzakis tanking at the end of the season. We know? can't. We but we can't be middle of the road, Andrew. We have to arrive. I know. I'm just arrive, saying Andrew. that at worst they'll be middle of the road. Is what I'm saying. And that would be the worst. That would be the very worst thing. Thanks so much. <laughs> Better for not listening. happen. Thanks so much for <laughs> listening to our show. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in on YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the little bell so that you will know uh, when we go live because we do all these podcasts live on YouTube. Uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your night. We'll be back again on Friday with the Fry Pod crew. Also, keep your keep your ear to the ground on some down-to-dunk events coming your way once this season gets underway. Uh, down-to-dunk night, which we had last year at the arena with the Thunder, is... Uh, we're starting to plan for that again, so it was a great time. We had a winner shoot a half-court shot and uh, get courtside seats to a future Thunder game. You could do that, too. So uh, ear to the ground on that one. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.